This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN, and you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Sem condição sabe ter passeio. Just one night stand. This is one night stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, night fans? It is College football season, and we're back on season six of One Night Stand. I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF, charges on to a Power 5 conference as this marks the night's debut season in the Big 12. With Gus and friends hot on the recruiting trail, many familiar faces return, and some unfamiliar transfers looking to burst onto the scene and secure a starting spot before week one. Season six of the One Night Stand podcast begins now. Let's go, baby. It feels great to be back. We've got so much to catch up on. We've got Brandon Helwig from UCFSports.com joining us in a little bit, but right now, we're going to start off on, um, I don't know, just catching up on everything we've kind of missed. I think the last time we recorded an episode was bowl game, I think, right? It was actually before the bowl game, and the pitiful performance that we put on just made us like not even want to do too, another episode after, too. so we kind of just forgot about it. What, what were we going to recap? Like, oh, hey, we got smoked by Duke. See you guys in the fall. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, but I mean, overall... I would say it was a successful season, you know. There's a lot of things that could have went better. Obviously, you know, we kind of fumbled the bag with the ECU game. We win that. We have college game day versus Cincinnati. Um, There's the Navy game. We win that, and we host the conference championship at home. But, you know, we also won some games that we might or that we probably shouldn't have too. Look at USF. We blew uh, quite the lead in that game, and, you know, honestly, if we – lose that game in our in the final chapter of the Warren I four. We don't make it to the conference championship and we, you know, leave the American conference with a bitter taste in our mouth. And USF would have had the kind of the upper hand, you know, for the next few years. So all in all, I, I think it was a successful season. Um, you know, what, what do you kind of think? Yeah, definitely a an up and down roller coaster type of year that we had just going up mentioning like us uh beating how about beating top 25 teams back-to-back weeks it's since at cincinnati uh and then the two lane game two uh, incredible wins since since he he at home but yeah well what all depends on the play of john rice plumley and which john rice plumley is going to show up is it going to be that you know two lane game where you rush for you know 162 yards and a couple touchdowns or is it going to be you know the three four pick game um and there's always the injury concern as well yeah so i i feel like the team comes and goes with him which it should anyway he's a quarterback but it, it's just like even more concentrated now because of how big of a part of our offense he is i agree i mean this time last year you know when we recorded our first episode it was actually breaking news that JRP was named the starter. It was kind of a surprise. You know, everyone was saying Mikey kind of had the upper hand in camp, but Gus went with the high upside pick. He showed his upside at times. He, sh- he showed kind of, you know, his, I guess, downside or whatever. 
at times too. I mean, you look at that Temple game, you know, he had like 20 touchdowns or whatever where he won 70 to 13. And then there was other games where his weaknesses kind of showed up too. But, you know, I think all in all, I mean, he exceeded expectations. And I think, you know, if he can improve on his passing just 20, 25% going into this season, you know, I think we can do big things in the Big 12. You know, we're going to have some harder opponents. We're not going to get the layup games. Like, you know, I mentioned Temple, 70-13. to 13. Uh, Navy, normally a layup game. I, I don't know what happened with that. ECU is also supposed to be a uh, kind of a sandbagger for us. But there are going to be no easy games. Like, even if we, you know, roll into Kansas and they're winless, they're not going to be easy. Um, so those days are behind us. You know, every week is going to be a battle. Anything can happen. And, uh, I, I, I'm so excited, man. This is, like, you know what I was thinking the other day is that, you know, playing off of what you just said, this actually like helps us because think about it. The UCF of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what coach we had in the last 10, 15 years. We always play up to competition and we always play down to competition so maybe not having those easy layup cupcake games it could be better for us you know what i'm saying no like definitely definitely like we seem to always play up in the big games and big 12 it's basically a big game every week as you guys will see i haven't figured out when i'm going to drop this yet on x formerly known as Twitter, but I do <laughs> have <laughs> I do have the projected betting lines for the entire year already Hello. set up. Very, very interesting, uh, some of the numbers I came up with. And you probably are going to be pretty surprised at some of these spreads. Some you're going to think it's a no-brainer, but the computers think otherwise, at least for now. So, always opportunities. Uh... I don't know, maybe today, maybe Tuesday. I don't do any lines for the D2 or FCS schools, so Dude, I don't know, Kent drop, State. Drop, drop them, like, right now, so as people are listening, they can go on over to Twitter, you know, give you a follow at UCF and check out the betting lines, you know, give people the content they want. Let's go through the schedule real quick. I know we do this, like, every week, but, you know, we haven't recently and then um we're gonna have brandon hellwig on you know ucfsports.com the longest tenured beat writer by far for ucf and uh we're gonna you know get some insights out of camp with him we'll do our you know season predictions offense defense superlatives record predictions all that but let's go through the schedule real quick and then we'll have brandon on and we'll kind of go from there all right so this week opening kickoff versus kent state 7 p.m. on Thursday. Not really much to talk about that. You know, the Thursday kickoffs are always kind of crappy for fans that, you know, have to work and stuff. It's tough to travel to that game. I won't be going. Obviously, it's that actually will be a layup game, but it'll be nice to, uh, you know, kind of get uh, some competition for the team heading into the big away game versus Boise State the next weekend on on Saturday night, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited just to get that first bounce back in Yep. and uh, give us a couple of extra days because I'm pretty sure Boise plays on Saturday uh, for us to go out there. Uh, I don't know exactly what day we're traveling, but 
you know, for us to get kind of acclimated to the... No, it's definitely, it's good having the extra time to, uh, you know, travel out there, recover from, you know, little minor injuries dinged up from, uh, from Kent State. So we'll be at Boise. I'll be going to that game. I think I'm going to be traveling more than I'm actually going to be in Idaho. But that'll be big, you know, Smurf turf or whatever. And, you know, that'll be the, our first true test. And we can come out with come out of that game with a win. Then we've got another kind of easy opponent versus Villanova at home the next weekend. And then we travel back, kind of back out to the middle of the country at who's ranked number 16 currently, Kansas State. You know, it's wild looking at our schedule right now. We already have two ranked opponents. Normally, we'd have to, like, you know, at this time of the season, no one's ranked, and we'd be rooting for like Cincinnati and USF or whoever to go undefeated to hope for a ranked game. But I mean, in the Big Twelve, there's they're always going to be ranked opponents. You know, if Kansas State's not ranked, Oklahoma's not ranked. That just means they lost to Baylor or West Virginia or Cincinnati. You know, um, it, it's awesome kind of being able to look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you talk about the week after. First Big 12 game at home. Let's I know go. Ticket prices are insane. It's also family weekend. So Baylor comes in, into town. Obviously, last meeting between these two teams, the good guys won 2013. 10 years uh, ago. Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. yeah, 10 years ago. 10-year anniversary. But anyway, that's, that's going to be a huge game. And then uh, they're all huge after this. Uh, we're in the conference right back way. at it again, back all the way back to Kansas at, Wicked. So at, at Kansas. I wish we could do the Kansas games back to back and like stay out there or something like that. Um, I'm going to try and go to all the away games this year. Uh, Kansas State, definitely. Kansas might be like a fly up just for the day, fly back. Uh, and then That's thrilling. We've got a bye week. Nice and in the middle of season. Hopefully, we don't have to shuffle stuff around with the pending hurricane or whatever. But uh, after that, the revenge game of the season at currently ranked number 20, Oklahoma, Norman, Dylan Gabriel versus UCF. You couldn't write it any better. I mean, this is like a Hollywood-type script thing coming into here. Um, Hopefully... Oklahoma is, you know, a little bit better than last year, and hopefully we are too. And this could be, I mean, this could be huge. Any of these games could be college game day if we just win and the other team's good. Uh, we have such a bigger chance at this. It's awesome looking down the schedule. Absolutely. I, th- I think we have one of the highest ceiling. We have the highest ceiling for any of the new Big 12 teams. All day. Um, th- You know, this team has the... the uh, the veterans and the skill position players to really take control of almost any game and any opponent on this schedule, it's a winnable game. Now, this Oklahoma team, both will be coming off a bye as well as Oklahoma. So, no excuses, full rest for everybody. UCF is actually 0 5 in the state of Oklahoma, but that was because all five games were played against Tulsa. Don't. They suck. They've never been good, but we've never beat them in Tulsa. So anyway. Thank God we don't have to play them again. So then we go back. We've got West Virginia at home, at Cincinnati, Oklahoma State at home, at Texas Tech, Lubbock, and then the Space Game. Wait, no. No, Space Game's Oklahoma State. Um, Senior night versus Houston uh, after Thanksgiving, and that 
rounds up the schedule, man. <sighs> Buckle up. This. Oh, can I just say, you were talking about two ranked teams. I believe Texas Tech will also be ranked by the time we play them. Probably. They, there's a lot of talk about te- Texas Tech kind of being that like uh, dark horse team in the Big 12 to come up and challenge so, some of the, you know, challenge some of the perennial teams like Texas and Oklahoma. So Texas Tech definitely, I think they're like second or third out from the top 25 receiving votes. So Texas Tech, they're, uh, yeah, it, like I said, every game is going to be huge. And, and not only this that. Is good. This is what we wanted. It is. And not only that, I mean, what we you know, know and, and think is going to happen in the Big 12, any of these programs can have a really, really good season. Looking back, we knew USF was going to be bad the last couple of years. We knew Temple was going to be bad. We knew Navy was going to suck. That's not going to happen. Like Any of these teams could be really, really good out of nowhere. And it's really awesome to think about. Like We, we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen uh, heading into conference play. And it's just so freaking exciting. And it's also... I know, right? It's also really good that we only have the one Boise State. Uh, it's also really good that we don't have any P5 games outside of the conference schedule. Like, there, there couldn't have been better timing for this, you know? Like, if we had been trying to schedule this out uh, for years when we were in the American, we always wanted to have those big P5 games to boost us up at the beginning of the season. We don't need that now. Schedule all cupcakes. Our conference schedule is good enough. All we got to do, this is the best thing. Win and we're in. We run the table. We're in the freaking playoff every single year. There's a path laid out for us. It's right in front of us. All we have to do is take it. <laughs> and honestly, like because of the way everything's going, like at least for this year, you may not even have to win every game. Like a one loss, like good all day. Like if Oklahoma was our only loss, but we had like a lot of good you know, solid wins under us. Yeah. And then we end up facing Texas or Oklahoma in the championship game. Jerry's world. Yeah. Getting way ahead of ourselves, but just saying Dude, Jerry's world chip. Oh my God. This you know what's funny is that like, we already up. booked, we already booked a vacation for like that weekend. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> three, like three or four months ago. I'm like, ah, there's no, it, like the price was so good on that weekend. Oh, to like go down the keys and it's my birthday. I was like, ah, uh, there's pro- I'm, nope. we're probably never going to make it. You, all right. <laughs> so, you, you, so now I like anti jinxed us or something. You know, we're gonna, we're you going. know, you know, we're, you know, we're making it now. Um, so excited. Anything else you want to cover before we go to, we'll do Brandon season predictions. I don't know. Maybe we all just have one. No, the prediction it's a score pre- uh record prediction is what it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that. All right, cool. Hello. Yo, yo, Mr. Helwig, how's it going? Hey man, how's it going? How are you guys doing? Dude, we're we're good, man. We're good. It feels so good to be back and uh, you know, talking about football again. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, we just uh we just went through the schedule. We were talking about, you know, how different it is being in the Big 12 compared to the American. You know, there's not cupcake games on the schedule. Any of these teams could be really good. You know, we've got two ranked games scheduled at Kansas State, at Oklahoma. Um, 
what are your kind of thoughts overall heading into, you know, this season and this whole new realm of the Big 12, which is just so much different than anything we've ever experienced before as UCF fans? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, obviously I'm really excited. I think the entire fan base is in some respects. Um, I, I don't know if it's felt real yet. I mean, we've talked about it so much for like two <laughs> years now, but I'm going into Big 12. This, was a, this is what it's going to be like. And then the schedule comes out and there's a little more real and you start planning road trips and everything. And now in this, you know, this summertime preseason before kickoff, you know, we have media day and, you know, all the preseason predictions and stories and previews. And, you know, you see the diff- different level of coverage that the Big 12 gets, you know, relative to the American or the group of five, which is almost non-existent. And it's really cool and exciting. But it's just one of those things like I, I really can't wait till, you know, I guess, you know, the I guess it's the fourth fourth week, you know, at Kansas State when it'll actually hit me, I think. And some I, in some respect, I don't know if it really has hit me. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of like. You know, and Sean, you've been around a long time, you know, uh-huh. um, you know, that, that summer before the stadium opened and it was slightly different in terms of, of what the anticipation is, but it kind of feels like that in a way, like, yo, it was this kind of like, oh, what's it going to be like, you know, how, how are you going to feel when the moment's here? What's going to be like to, you know, go to a game in your own stadium, what'll be like, you know, tailgating on your own campus and stuff. It's, in some ways it's kind of <laughs> similar to that, but um, obviously uh, super excited for everything. Um, I know you guys have talked about the schedule a little bit and, and, you know, there's no, there's no weekend or there's no game that you could pretty much, you know, show up and, and you know, you've got to win. Although I will say this, there have been games that should have been the case in the AAC the last <laughs> couple of years for UCF. And, you know, they didn't transpire that way. I'm talking about Navy and South Florida, two of the the worst teams in the American UCF should have just showed up and, you know, notched a win and it didn't exactly happen according to plan. So, yep. you know, maybe that's kind of an, an overrated stat, well, but well, not, not only that, don't forget ECU last year, you know, we win that game and we have college game day at home and we, we messed that up. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I guess I kind of consider ECU a little bit on a, you know, they weren't great either, but they're right. They are a little bit better than the Navies and South Florida's of the world, right. but you're totally right about that. Like, and that was a road game. I, I could almost forgive that one a little bit more, but losing to home at Navy, yeah. I think after what you had gone through the previous year in terms of just, you know, not even understanding how to defend a, a triple option offense, it seemed like, and knowing what that was a home game and knowing what was on the line, um, that game, you know, you win that game, and of course, that would assume that you beat South Florida the next week, which you <laughs> did by the skin of their teeth, uh, thanks to Alec Holler. Man. But you win that game, you're hosting the conference championship, and and to me, that might have been the difference in that game between winning and losing. You know, when when it, you know, Yusuf had to go back on the road and and, and play Tulane. I mean, that's debatable. I think a lot of guys were checked out. They're you know, going into the transfer portal the next week. Like they, there was a lot of people. And maybe there was you know coaches that were checked out. You know. <laughs> thinking they had another job coming up. I don't know, yeah. but there is, you know, who knows what would have happened, but that was, that was a huge game because UCF blew their chances for uh for home field advantage. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough schedule to kind of look at. And, and, you know, we've all been on, you know, the dungeon message board on UCF sports.com and myself, you know, we've had this poll, this prediction thread going, you know, predict UCF season uh, record, which we do every year. And it's really tough because, you know, I kind of see the, you know, and this is assuming, you know, every, the team stays relatively healthy. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be, you know, bumps and bruises. I'm sure there'll be starters that will miss a game here or two, but you don't want to get to a point where you have key players, you know, out for the year, out for a length of time, notably quarterback. I mean, John Rice Plumley 
if he has the season that I think everybody is is anticipating and hoping that he has, you know, I, I think this could be a really special year. Um, that being said, I, I think I think uh, you know floor for this. I think I'd say worst case scenario, I'd say something like five and seven. Um, and there's there's a lot a lot of close games. You know, traditionally, this you know they're talking about the Big Twelve being potentially the best conference from top to top, top to bottom. <laughs> you know, in all of college football. Or that's, race, that's, so, that's so awesome to hear. Yeah. And so, you know, you lose a bunch of close games. You know, maybe you go out to Boise. That's a long trip. I mean, to me, that that's a must win. If this is going to be a – has the potential to be a good year, special year, you got to go out to Boise to take care of business because that's one of those games. It's, you know, I know they're predicted to win the Mountain West like they usually are. And, you know, we can debate whether they're – you know, they're they're Big 12-esque. I mean, they're, they're, they, got, they got some guys. I mean, I don't know where they'd – be predicted to finish it in Big Twelve, but they're 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 they definitely got you know they're they're within that range. So that'll be a big test, and knowing that UCF's going to have five conference games on the road in the Big Twelve and some difficult venues, and that's the other thing, is there's no, I mean every place you go is going to be a great environment, which which yeah. I love. You love it, John. I love oh, it. Yeah. I think that I think the team will love it, but it's different. I mean, when it's if it's a close game in the fourth quarter. You know, expect those fan bases. It's going to be a loud environment, and that's something that UCF hasn't traditionally had to deal with at a lot of places. You know, a really crazy environment. You go to Temple, and there's, you know, there's yeah. You go to SMU, which is amazing. They might be invited to the eight to the ACC. I don't know why, but you know, you go there, and there's like you know ten thousand people in the stands. It's not right. the same. But you go to Kansas State. You go to obviously go to Oklahoma. You know, you go to Texas Tech. I mean, they got tremendous, you know, home field ad- advantages. But yeah, you know, like I said, as far as the schedule, um, I-, I think if all goes well with John Rice Plumley making the improvement we think he's going to make, the offensive line, you know, obviously there's a little bit of questions there with some of these transfers. You know, they haven't quite proven themselves at UCF yet. But I think nine and three potentially could be the the, the ceiling for UCF. I you know <laughs> somewhere somewhere between I'm thinking six and six and I it's really tough 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 to predict. I I'm probably a little bit you know I don't know I'm maybe <laughs> overly optimistic again. I don't I was about to use the word aside or not. Maybe overly optimistic. I was going back and forth between eight and four range nine and three and this is like best case scenario like this is like you know if ever all the breaks go ucf's way pretty much i, I think that's maybe that nine and three range is, is potentially the, the the ceiling okay cool so you know while we're on the topic i guess we'll just do our season schedule predictions here um moo wh- what do you think uh wh- wh- what's your what's your season prediction record wise all right, so I think my season prediction for this year, you know, just looking at the records of all the teams from last year and kind of like where, you know, everyone falls from top to bottom and putting that along with my early betting projections, how many games are going to be favored, how many games are going to be, you know, the underdog, I think a a solid conservative projection is 7-5. and five. And I'm honestly okay with that. You know, um, just looking at the number of teams, the the caliber of teams that we're playing and, you know, just what the spreads are going to be, I would say seven and five is like the B minus grade or B grade for the season. Like if we get to seven and five, I'm cool. Honestly, if it's anything less than that, I'm I'm pretty bummed. It's tough, man, because, you know, we could start off in the Big 12 and, you know, lose the first couple games and then it, 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 it could be difficult. But 
You know, look, looking at this, um, Brandon, you said, you know, the Boise State's going to kind of set the tone for the season. I think we win that game, and I, th- I think we end up, you know, I think we lose one of the road games. I, I don't want to say Oklahoma, maybe Kansas, maybe Cincinnati, something like that, and probably lose one at home, but I'm going to have us at 10-2. Uh, and two. I think we make a bowl game, and, and honestly, you know, if we look back on the season and we make a bowl game, that I think that's a success in my eyes. What do you guys think? Hmm. Stra- interesting straying from your annual 13-0 prediction. I know. <laughs> I, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Uh, I don't know. Th- you know, there's there's a lot of question marks, and, um, you know, one of the things is going to be JRP, you know, from year one at UCF to year two, how is he going to progress and improve as a passer? And, uh, Brandon, I, I want to know, what have you seen out of camp from JRP and, you know, the offense um, as a whole? Yeah, so, you know, this is this is one of those years. If I know this is the inaugural year in, in the Big 12, and everyone's just excited to, to, to be there kind of in some respects, and you want to make a bowl game. But if you start peeling it back and you look at, at the players on this roster – you know, UCS been recruiting, you know, I know it hasn't been a power five program for long, but they've been recruiting, especially when Gus Malzahn got here, they've been recruiting at a power five level for uh, several years now. And there's tremendous talent on this roster. And there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of senior leadership that, you know, guys who have played, you know, three, four, you know, five years in some respects, even longer. When you look at a guy like Alec Holler, who's been here six years, but I think it's Eight. all going to be on John Rice Plumley. You know, it's all on kind of his shoulders. Um, you know, what kind of improvement he makes. I think the one thing that people kind of forget about when it comes to John Rice last year, and I know it was, you know, an up and down season in terms of quarterback play, a little bit of a controversy between Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley, but that was John Rice's, you know, first year as a starting quarterback. I know he had played a few years, but, you know, he was coming to UCF after playing, you know, he had spent the previous year at Ole Miss as a wide receiver. So, you know, he was going through a lot of things for the very first time, you know, making decisions, you know, on the run, you know, knowing where to go with the football, you know, understanding it. It kind of maybe took a process. One big thing for him is, you know, he's he's a competitor and he's going to do whatever it takes to, you know, sell out and to, you know, do whatever it takes for, for the team. But he's got to be smarter about putting his body on the line because he saw – he had you know, several, you know, ESP and sports center type plays, but then you know, at other times where he's putting his head down trying to get a first down against Cincinnati, he gets yeah. a concussion, you know, getting nailed when he doesn't have to. Yep. Um, but you know, we haven't seen, we really haven't seen anything. I mean, the only thing, you know, if you were at the spring game, you've seen the same amount of stuff that basically I've seen because everything at UCF is always closed, which is, you know, uh, shareholders can get an invite and they may be seeing a little bit more and just, you know, buzz from people, you know, who actually, you know, witness some of this stuff is that they really think, you know, John Rice has taken a huge step forward. I think a big reason of that is going to be because of Darren Henshaw, you know, mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach that Gus brought in um, back in January, obviously UCF guy, UCF alum that, you know, he's going to have a, he's going to make a really big impact in developing John Rice's game. And I, I'm excited. I mean, you know, I don't know a whole lot just because we haven't seen everything, but you know, the buzz from the team that, you know, John Rice is making all of all the throws now because they were, you know, some of those deep balls weren't always there. Even some of those intermediate passes weren't always there last year that he's putting touch on the ball. He's putting it where it needs to be. He's making quicker decisions. He's getting the ball out. He still has that athleticism, but he doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to be the athlete on the field because there's, there's plenty of plenty of playmakers 
between the running backs and wide receivers just has to get them the ball. So I'm incredibly excited to see the kind of season that John Rice has. And if he, he really takes off, if this is, you know, a, if this, if it turns out that, you know, this is really the year for him, I, I think UCF, I, you know, I, I didn't know if I wanted to say it, but it's when I think Desmond Howard might have said it a little bit on game day the other day that, you know, UCF could be a dark horse pick to win the Big 12. Big 12 football is, you know, kind of known for, you know, these high scoring games or whatever. Um, I, I think we're going to be, be able to put up a lot of points. Um, it, it's really just going to come down to what JRP ends up doing. Uh, the offensive line is, is going to be a huge factor with that, um, you know, because we're, we're turning pretty much everyone at wide receiver, running back. We lost Bowser. But uh, any, any word on how the offensive line looks so far? Yeah, well, that's one of those things where we've kind of been patiently awaiting the release of, of the depth charges to see how officially, you know, everything kind of shakes out. And I think the, the biggest question mark, um, the position everyone's kind of been curious about was center, you know, with, with you know, it had been Matt Lee for the last several years. And, you know, it should have been, it kind of looked like it was going to be Matt Lee this year, but, you know, he decided to, you know, transfer portal out of here and he's down in Miami now. And so UCF brought in, you know, a couple of center transfers that compete. And I know there was a freshman, Katie Killer, who was here last year, but it's been uh, this preseason, um, Bula Schmidt and Drake Metcalf kind of competing. Uh, Bula Schmidt has been a starter. He was a starter last year at Fresno State. And uh, Drake Metcalf was a backup at Stanford. Um, Bula was here in the spring. Drake got here in the summertime. From from whatever indication, it appears that Drake Metcalf uh, has won that battle at center. That that's the expectation anyway. Nothing's officially been released or announced, but uh, we think he's going to be the guy. And Bula Schmidt, uh, I think, has a chance. Um, you know, just he's a little bit on the smaller end in terms of offensive linemen. I think he's only six one, but I've heard a lot of good things about him. That you know, with a really tight competition to center. I think there's a chance that he could he could play guard, that he could slide in potentially into that starting rotation at guard. Um, it's just one of those things that I, I'm really curious to see how Herb Hand, the offensive line coach, kind of manages the offensive line this year because he's always been a guy that you know it's it's been different. If you know people you know kind of watch the offensive line, it's it's kind of different from coach to coach. When Glenn when Glenn Ellerby yep. was the O line coach under Heupel. You know, they would substitute guys all the time. They, you know, move, you know, Sam Jackson would start the game, you know, left guard. He'd move to the right. They were like moving guys around and rotating and stuff. And then when Herb Hand got here, it was, you know, unless someone got hurt or was injured, you know, whoever the starting five was, they were going to play the entire game if, if, they, if they were able to. And um, one thing he said in interviews this preseason camp, uh, Herb Hand, he said, this is, this is the deepest. You know, whether this is, you know, coach talk or buzz or hype, you know, but he said it. He said this is the deepest he feels the offensive line that he's ever had. And he's coached at Texas. He's coached at Auburn. He's coached at a lot of different places. And so, you know, he said he was kind of rethinking his preferred strategy of, you know, rolling with his top guy, rolling with his top five. That, you know, he's, I think he's kind of seeing the light in terms of maybe, you know, rotating more offensive linemen throughout the course of a game, which, you know, I think. And, you know, I think that's just important in general. You know, you're trying to develop guys for, for the future. You got to get them some playing time. I think with the transfer portal these days, you need to have more guys feel like they're involved and stuff. So we'll we'll yeah. see what the final depth chart kind of shakes out to be. Um, you know, Lakahi Paole is obviously the the, the top guy returning, you know, uh, should be playing that right guard position that he's at. You know, Tyler Grable comes back at, at tackle. Um, but, yeah, just kind of waiting to see what UCF decides to put out in terms of their first depth chart. 
Let's go into our um, predictions for offense. Let's do... uh, All right, we're going to do our offensive MVPs. Last year, Money Moo had Johnny Rockets, and me and Brandon both picked JRP as our MVPs. I'll throw it to you, Brandon, first. Who's uh, your MVP prediction for the 2023 season? You know... If this season is is going to go like everyone's hoping and anticipating, it feels kind of cheating to pick John Rice Plumley as no, the MVP. It's, it's, o- it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because um, I've kind of kind of debated that. Is it is it really is it really fair? Because you know, the, the quarterback, I, the season that everyone's hoping, yeah. So I, I'm gonna gonna I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you the obvious answer is John Rice John Rice Plumley. I think if if UCF is gonna have the the type of season you know, that everyone's hoping he'll be the guy. And my second pick would be RJ Harvey. You know, obviously he had a huge year last year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how Yusuf is going to keep all these running backs happy in terms of carries because there's so much <laughs> talent there. Um, but I think, you know, as far as being the top guy of that unit, I think it's going to be a big, a big year for him. You know, we'll see how many carries, how many yards he gets just because it may be spread around. I know a lot of people are excited about, you know, obviously John Richardson, but Demarcus Bowman as well. There's a lot of talent there. But if I had to give a, a 1A and a 1B, I'd go John Rice and uh, RJ Harvey. All right. I like it. And uh, Moo, what, what do you got this year? Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that really had a, a decent year last year. Could have been uh, one of the sleeper picks. Actually, I actually think it was my sleeper pick. But I don't remember. But anyway, Xavier Townsend. Yes, the X Factor. No. Contributed a lot. What? <laughs> that was my sleeper. Oh. <laughs> no, go oh, ahead. Well, well anyway, uh, contributed a lot last year as a freshman. 23 catches. That ranked third most on the t- uh, team returning to the game. You know you got those two stud wide receivers in Baker and Hudson. But I think Townsend could be that solid number three Huge upside, and then you got his exciting abilities in the return game as well, going with the X-Factor, Xavier Townsend. Nice. All right, so that was going to be my pick. Actually, your sleeper last year was Alec Holler, which is which was a really good pick. Um, my MVP this year is going to be Kobe Hudson. Um, I think this guy is really, really going to dominate. Nothing against Javon Baker. Um, we've got, you know, with Townsend, three really, really talented guys, but... I think this guy is going to step up and, and really make a splash this year in the Big 12. I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the starters, honestly, on offense. You know, from JRP, which is, you know, the obvious pick, um, to any of the three receivers, and the really, really deep running back room with Harvey, Richardson, you know, Demarcus Bowman, Jordan McDonald. I mean, you can go on and on. Super, super deep on the offensive side of the ball. But that being said, who do we have as maybe a sleeper, someone that's going to step up that aren't the normal names that you kind of hear um, or, or see in the stat line uh, normally? Brandon, who do you got for a sleeper on offense this year? Yeah, um, in terms of sleep, I got kind of two, two levels of, of, of sleepers. Um, I think a guy that kind of slipped under the radar a little bit when he transferred in as a wide receiver named Corey Gamage. He was Marshall's number one receiver the past two years. He's six foot four. Um, you know, I, I don't know the stats in front of me, but yeah, he led Marshall in re- in receiving, I think, both receptions and yards the last two years. He's a Florida native. 
he grew up in Delray Beach. I think he's four or five years younger than Traquan Smith and just idolized Traquan growing up. Um, wow. He was close with him. And when he decided to transfer, he was in communication with Traquan and, and their pals. And the reason he's wearing number four, four yeah. <laughs> uh, this year is because of Traquan Smith. So that's kind of a neat story. Um, I just felt like, you know, he was one of the late guys that, that transferred in. Um, yeah, I think it might have been June or July. When 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 he when he did so and so it just kind of maybe slipped under the radar, but that's a guy that I'm curious to see how he fit he fits in because he's a huge target at, at six foot four. And then the other guy that don't you know, do it. I think it don't do it, don't steal mine. Yeah, go ahead though. <laughs> oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I, we, were you going tight end? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm so, done, done. I, 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 I used my one. I shouldn't be allowed to use two. Go ahead, Sean. No, it's all, I, I was going to take Randy Pittman, man. I've heard, you know, on, only great things about this guy coming out of camp. Obviously, you know, no disrespect or anything towards Holler, but th this dude's an absolute monster. And um, I'm really excited to see what Hinshaw can do, you know, maybe in two tight end sets or whatever with this guy because, you know, I, I think he's great. Great as a pass blocker, and he's he's just as good as a receiver catching the ball down the field. And uh, I, I really like that we have him as you know this kind of dynamic weapon that we can use. And uh, you know, th there's so many mouths to feed on offense, but again, it's it's not really a bad thing. So that that's my sleeper pick. And sorry to cut you off, but I wouldn't no, have had anything fine. to that's say. Good. That's good. I didn't. I wasn't sure if anyone was going to go that direction or not. I kind of was trying to cheat with two, but I, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned Randy because. I was going to go, I was going to mention him as well. I mean, that's just the guy we've just heard constant buzz about, you know, like we don't really see practice, but when you ask guys, you know, who's making yep. plays out there, who's making crazy catches, who's really impressing. I mean, since spring ball, I mean, it's been constantly, oh, Randy Pittman, right, sorry, Randy Pittman made this catch, he made that catch, he jumped over a guy, caught this ball, you know. There's the big question mark for a freshman tight end, he's not the – the biggest tight end is, is can, can he block? Because those guys usually are in the game to block first and catch second. So we right. know he's an excellent or he, he's got a lot of potential right, right away as a pass catching tight end. But the question is going to be, you know, how much he's going to play? Is he going to be able to block some of these big, uh, big 12 defensive players? Uh, Moo, who's your sleeper for this season on offense? All right. I got mega sleeper here. How about we go with wide receiver Gator transfer Trent Whittemore? All right, I'll forgive him. You know the old saying, if you can't beat him, you got to join him, right? Seasoned yeah. guy, hasn't really seen the field that much, but you never know. If he has to step up for like an injury or something, or maybe, you know, to just get some playing time in. But, I mean, hey, that's why we call this a sleeper. It's a guy that you're not supposed to, <laughs> not supposed to do much, but could be off the radar. But I think he's a serviceable fill-in uh, if maybe we had a couple injuries. I want to mention about Trent Whittemore real quick is um, I think he played a little bit of quarterback in, in high school. And you remember uh, Ryan O'Keefe, you know, he played quarterback and they kind of utilized him on some of these trick plays, you know, double pass and, and all that stuff. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that'll be Gus Malzahn slash Darren Henshaw's arsenal this year. Cause I think Trent Whittemore, I think he did throw a touchdown pass when he was at Florida and actually I think it was to come uh, member Kamori Gamble, the tight end that trade didn't really do a whole lot last year. We had a, a lot of buzz about him a year ago. You didn't really do much, but uh, actually Whittemore a couple years ago, did throw a, a, a touchdown in a game to uh, Kamori Gamble when he was at Florida. All right. Well, hopefully it pans out a, a little bit better than the last guy. Um, all right. So let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. And before we do our picks, um, any kind of anecdotes or anything you want to share out of camp, Brandon? 
it's not like the old days of George O'Leary where we saw every, you know everything. We could have been at every practice if, if if we wanted to. So I'm like everyone else, just waiting to see what it looks like uh, when we get to Thursday. And even then, we won't know because Kent State is one of the worst teams in FBS. There's probably a lot of of FCS teams that are better than they are, and I don't think we'll really know much about this team until we get to Boise State. Uh, New defensive coordinator, Addison Williams. Um, Everything I've heard, everyone seems to really like the guy. So, uh, you know, like you said, we might not even see that much at Kent State, but uh, the the real test will be, you know, how can we stop them over at Boise? All right, so that being said, let's go into our defensive MVP predictions. Uh, Let me pull this up. Last year... We had, uh, Brandon had Traymond Morris Brash. I had uh, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, and Moo had Devontae Adams. No. Brown. <laughs> Devontae Brown. <laughs> Devontae Brown. Yeah. All right, so Brandon, who's your pick for defensive MVP this season? Well, well before we, who, who, who would have been the actual defensive MVP last year? Like, I'm, I would take TMB was- probably. I mean, Tremont led the team in sacks. Jason Johnson led the team in tackles. Who was my sleeper um, last year? Hey, you. Finally yeah. got one right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Josh, Josh Seliscar played like every snap in a bunch of games, but he didn't he didn't ha- he didn't produce the same kind of statistics that you know Tremont did. So yeah, not not on the books, but he he played really really good last year, especially for kind yeah. of what his expectations were. Right, and Rick, Ricky Barber is might be the best overall player on the defensive line, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure who still would have been the MVP last year. But yeah, I, I've been, you know, I've been asked this question before the last few days, and and I didn't even remember I, I predicted Tremont last year. That's actually the guy I'm picking this year. Um, I just think that you know, there's been a lot of buzz about him. This is his last year, obviously, of eligibility. You know, he's he's you know stuck you know stuck it out the entire career, kind of gone through a little bit of you know adversity at times. And uh, I think he had six sacks a year ago, which is a pretty decent number. Um, I think he can do better than that this year. At least that's what his goal is. But I, I just think in terms of someone that makes the biggest impact in terms of stats, um, I think I'm excited to see what, what, what he's going to do. Cause I've heard a lot of good buzz, but the, I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, there's a lot of great up and down that defensive line. Um, I'm sure someone's going to mention Lee Hunter in a minute. There's a lot of buzz about him. Obviously Jason Johnson had a great year last year. Yeah, but there's I don't think there's there's there, it is a lot of, there's a lot of direction that that these picks could could go. I don't think there's a wrong pick either. There's a lot of no. really solid guys uh, on the D line and at linebacker uh, that we can go with. Moo, who's your pick? Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, back up Brandon with this one. I'm going with Tremont Morris Brash, TMB. He is correct. Six sacks, career high last year, uh, and he's actually increased his sack number every year on the team. So this year, I think double digits is in the cards, which would have been conference leading in the Big 12 last year. He's a fifth-year senior. I still think he has something to prove because he's had good seasons. You know, he's battled back and forth. I think there was a, a, a portion of one of the years where he, like, lost his starting job and then came back. Um, the guy loves the limelight, though, and now he has a Big 12. He's in the Big 12, ready to show out. Very exciting player to watch too. He has like a lot of cool like spin swim moves. Like he doesn't just run up and like bull rush every time. So I I try to you know if I'm not watching the ball like every other average Joe, uh, <laughs> I'm um I'm watching him because it's fun and he gets to the quarterback a lot. And we also have met his dad at the casino in Pittsburgh in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never. I'll- 
Do we meet him or just like see him? Well, he came up to us and he he started talking to us and he's he was like, "Yo, my kid plays on the team. Go Knights!" And we're like, "Oh, oh yeah, I remember." Kid. <laughs> it was some freshman at that time. I remember. Yeah, I remember. yeah, yeah. That that was awesome. Uh, Pit game, not awesome. Uh, cool to see Kenny Pickett kind of thriving in the NFL though. Makes the game sting a little bit less knowing that you know we lost on that uh, you know fourth down play or whatever to a guy that's. You know, starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, all right, my defensive MVP. I'm gonna go with the guy I picked a sleeper last year, Jason Johnson. Um, this dude balled out. You know, coming into his senior year this year, he played really well last year. Had 15 tackles in the ECU game, and I just think he's gonna continue to improve. And um, you know, like you said, though, I mean, there's a handful of guys you could pick here: Ricky Barber, him. Um, you know, TMB obviously, but, uh, I, Jason Johnson is going to be my guy. And, uh, I, I'm really excited to see what Addison Williams can do with these guys on the defensive side of the ball this year. Um, that being said, who are we looking at as sleepers this season? Brandon sleepers on the defensive side sleepers. I, I'm not sure. Does, do you think Lee Hunter qualifies as a sleeper? He played last year. He had some buzz coming in, although he didn't start. He wasn't in the best shape. Um, apparently, his he couldn't go for very many plays at a time. You know, you know, everyone always wanted to. At least fans were always like, "You got to get Montalvo out of there." You know, Lee Hunter's going to be the starter. Although Montalvo, you know, he's man, he's I don't know, he's on his third team already. Like the season hasn't started yet for the NFL, so I'm really pumped to see him doing well. He has, has some value. We'll see where he he finishes, but. You know, you know, Lee Hunter, I think, didn't make the impact that people thought he was going to make, at least not to the level. But everything we've heard about him, you know, during camp and, and everything that he's taken a huge step forward. You know, I think on the first practice, I think, you know, even Gus Malzahn, who's kind of hesitant to name drop guys and kind of hype up guys. He was talking about him. Addison Williams was talking about him, that this guy's taking a huge, huge step forward. And, you know, everyone knows he has NFL talent. And if he, he can put it put it all together, you know, putting him right next to Ricky Barber and then Josh Ellisgar and Trayvon Morris Brass is going to be a scary defensive line. He's definitely got some upside to him. So that's uh, that's definitely a good pick. Moo, who are you thinking for a defensive sleeper? All right. So I know last year I had Nakai Martinez, who actually – Put in a pretty solid, uh, solid season as a as a true freshman. Yep. More than likely, is going to get the start this year. I think, right, Brandon? Yeah, it lo- actually looks like he's going to start at safety. I think he played more nickel last year, but it's looking like he'll start at safety this year. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to that defensive back area, going way off the radar with a a little hometown signee from from around the block for me. Jason DeClona, freshman out of Estero High School, highly touted recruit. This guy had offers from a ton of different P5 schools. I'd love to see him get his feet wet on special teams, maybe make a big play. But uh, definitely a very positive attitude, this guy, and a hard worker. So I'm going with uh, Jason DeClona. He's from a little 239 represent. I like it. Um, so my, my pick's going to be DeCorian Patterson. He, uh, he had... I think seven interceptions, which was tied for whatever conference he was in last year. I think it was it Middle Tennessee. Am I right yeah. with that, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Middle Tennessee. The defensive backs have always kind of been the um, 
weakness for us, at least the last couple years. And I, I think this guy's going to step in and make a difference. Is he supposed to be a starter, Brandon, or what have you kind of heard? You know, um, I think that that's to be determined. I, you know, Addison Williams, you know, with that, with those corner positions, They've had, typically had what they considered, you know, three three starters. Obviously, obviously there's there's two guys that start plus plus the nickel, but they'll kind of split the reps amongst those three. Like last year, it was Devontae Brown, Corey Thornton, and Brandon Adams. If you look at the actual reps each player got, you know, they're all starter worthy players. Right. Um, I think DeCorian will be um, a a starter type player. Now, you know, maybe it'll be Corey Thornton, Brandon Adams get the first reps, and then DeCorian comes in and plays just as many reps. We'll see how how they figure that out, but. Yeah, I think he's he's definitely in the mix to play a huge role. And you mentioned his seven interceptions. That's more than UCF had as a team last year. Oh wow! All right, awesome stat there. So, uh, the, you know, we can we can only kind of go up from there. But uh, cool. So and I don't know if that qualifies as a sleeper, but I'll take it. You know, he's a transfer coming in, name we haven't heard. So um, I like the pick. Um, okay, cool, Brandon. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, um, you know, just. It's one of those things that, you know, if this is a, you know, everyone's, like I said, I was saying earlier, obviously everyone's excited to see, you know, how's UCF going to match up their first year in the Big 12 and how's it going to be. But, you know, if UCF is going to make a splash, this could be the year. Like, there's a lot of guys with experience on both sides of the ball. We just don't know how it's all going to translate to playing a Big 12 schedule and, you know, going on the road and seeing how, how they stack up. Look at, look at the experience. Look at the seniors on the D-line. Look at linebacker. You got – Jason Johnson's coming back for another year. You've got, you know, experienced transfers that came in there. You look at the secondary guys like Corey Thornton's been starting since 2020. DeCorian Patterson hasn't, you know, his last year of eligibility. He had seven picks last year. There's a lot, a lot of guys. And then you look at the offensive line, you know, Lakahi, obviously, you know, is his last year of eligibility. Bullish Schmidt coming in final year. John Rice Plumley, last year of eligibility. I think Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson. Those guys technically, I think, have more one more year. But trust me, these guys are going to play like this is their last year because both those guys want to try to get to the to the NFL. And those guys are going to play like it's their last year. Corey Gamage since his last year. Alec Holler, obviously, these now I think it's like his sixth year. He definitely doesn't have any 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 more years left. So there's a lot of seniors on this team, and it just kind of feels like something special might happen. I know, like I said earlier, that maybe I'm a little bit overly optimistic at times, but you know, this is. If you see it's gonna because in 2024, you know maybe it'll be a friendlier. One, who knows what the schedule's gonna be like? Hopefully they'll have five home games and four road, and then you go on the road to to Florida. But like we don't know who the quarterback is. We don't know if the quarterback's on the roster yet. You know I know they're recruiting really well, but it's always tough to to kind of you have to temper your expectations a lot when you know guys don't have experience and you really don't know what you're gonna get. So you know if you see it's gonna do something, this 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 in the Big 12, this 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 could be the year. It definitely feels like it, you know, like you said, with all, all the experience we have coming back on both sides of the ball, it's going to be JRP's last year. You know, these receivers are probably going to, um, you know, they're, they're definitely NFL talent, um, guys on the line, you know, both sides of the ball. So um, hopefully we make a big splash, but, you know, I, I don't know. That's why we play the games, and uh, I, I'm definitely super excited heading into uh, the season. I, I can't believe it's here. You know, summer always kind of lags on, and it, it just feels like it's forever, and then Next thing you know, we've got uh, Kent State coming up Thursday night. But um, real quick before we let you go, I want to talk about recruiting. Uh, everyone's noticed the huge uptick in the quality of commits we've got. You know, we've got I think two four-star guys in the class of twenty-three, and I think eight four-stars in the class of twenty twenty-four, which 
is close to as many as we've ever had in every recruiting class combined ever. I'm pretty sure UCF. Like normally we'd be lucky to get one guy. I remember like when Snelson did the hat thing or whatever and he picked UCF and he was our only four star. It was a huge deal. All of a sudden we've got eight. What the heck is going on? Tell me what you've kind of seen over this last recruiting cycle, what you think it has to do with NIL and, um, you know, or is it Gus or, or whatever? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, NIL has something to do with it, but I think the biggest difference, obviously, is UCS in the Big 12. I mean, they're recruiting like a Power 5 team. That's the thing, you know, when you're not in the Power 5, when you're not in the Power Conference, it's it's kind of difficult to recruit those, those, those you know, four-star caliber players. Maybe, you know, you get lucky, end up with, with one or two, and usually the guys that UCF did end up with, you know, four stars, you know, maybe the opportunities or the offers they had at one point maybe weren't there anymore. So maybe they kind of fell down towards UCF a little bit, but now, you know, UCF is the choice. They're the, they're the first choice for a lot of guys who have legitimate options, you know, guys that, you know, could have gone a lot of places. You look at, you know, Jalen Hayward, the defensive back from Rockledge. He had been committed to Georgia for a long time. I mean, he could have gone to Miami. He could have gone anywhere he wanted. He chose, he chose UCF. They looked last year, you know, John Walker, you know, the guy who's probably the biggest commitment in, in UCF history, maybe after Dante Culpepper. Um, he literally could have gone anywhere he wanted. You know, Florida was trying to flip him all the way to the very last minute before signing day. He could have gone to Ohio State, Miami, Michigan. He could have gone anywhere, Oklahoma. Um it's just UCF is a de- is a destination. I mean, a lot of that is because of Gus. Gus obviously comes from a program that's recruited at a high level in the SEC. He knows what it takes. He's, you know, people can like forget he's a former high you know former high school teacher because he was a high school coach. So he can. Right. It's been a little while, but but he 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 can connect with younger people and their families and their parents and you know NIL is just one of those things that you know, is, is a factor in recruiting and, and, you know, there's a lot of specifics and details that we'll, we'll never know, you know, in terms of that. And that's why I think that's why you see UCF continue to push the kingdom and the people make their contributions because that's kind of, that's kind of where, you know, everything's changed here the last, you know, couple of years that people are accustomed to, you know, they'll give a certain amount of money to the school, their shareholder or whatnot. Well, maybe it's prudent to maybe give half to the school and half to the, the kingdom. And that's kind of what keeps these, you know, whether you like it or not. I mean, it's just reality. It's the way things are these days. But, you know, I, I, I'm i not entirely sure where UCF stacks up NIL-wise. It gets relatively to their Big 12 peers, maybe middle of the pack. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, like I said, UCF is in a unique position. They're, they're you're in the middle of the state of Florida. Obviously, it's the greatest, you know, I guess Texas and California may want to argue, but really the, one of the greatest if not the greatest recruiting state, they're nearby to Georgia, which is, you know, one of those probably top five states of talent. Actually, they've done really well in Georgia this past year. We're, we're getting a lot of commitments from there that are four stars. But it's one of those things where, you know, I always felt UCF maybe, you know, there I always thought the potential was there to kind of take off recruiting and whether it was the coach or, you know, just, you know, the conference they were in or whatever, it just didn't all come come together and we'll, and we're seeing what that what that potential finally is like now that UC have a coach has a coach that knows how to recruit and they're in a conference that kind of lends itself more to recruiting more of these highly rated it's awesome to see um it, it's just been awesome it, you know between the new schedule in the big 12 and the uptick in recruiting everything uh 
It's incredible. And it's just cool to think about like where we're going to be at in a couple of years, because this is just the beginning. We're just getting started and we're finally kind of growing into the potential that we've always seen that UCF has had. It's so awesome. But you know, it starts with this season right here. If we can come in and make a big splash, then it's only going to help recruiting even more. And, uh, you know, we've got everything at our fingertips to make this super successful, uh, Definitely need, you know, all the support from the fans and everyone donating to Kingdom or uh, or to UCF in general. But uh, what a time to be a Knight fan for sure, man. Um, any final thoughts before we let you go, Brandon? We really appreciate you having on as always. Yeah, man. Just uh, just incredibly pumped and amped for the season. I mean, we're all kind of watching this weather system and hoping it doesn't. Uh, I don't want anyone to get you know, negatively impacted in, anywhere in the state of Florida, but obviously we're selfishly hoping it avoids us in central Florida and we can get this game in on Thursday and uh, don't have to have any, you know, postponements or anything, but we're just incredibly <laughs> excited, incredibly excited, obviously about the season and the big 12 schedule and just, you know, just can't wait, you know, for those first conference games to get here, you know, on the road at Kansas state. And then that, that first home game against Baylor, just crossing my fingers. That's a night game. I mean, I guess maybe because it's an advantage if you said plays early, but I think that's, that's going to be that atmosphere. I just kind of get goosebumps just thinking what that first game at home is going to be like in the Big 12. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to have like similar vibes to Cincinnati at College Game oh, Day, yeah. man. It's going to be absolutely insane, and I can't wait, man. Thanks again for joining us, Brandon. You are the absolute best. For any of you that don't follow him, at UCF Sports on Twitter, and um, join the well, dungeon. It's, it's, well, the, well, the site is, is UCFSports.com. The name of the message board is is The Dungeon. Got it. And that's where you get all the juicy gossip. Brandon, you know, hints at a lot of things that are going on. Uh, you know, some pretty historical events throughout the um, throughout the last few years. Brandon kind of tipped everyone off about early. So if you're not a member of that, join. It's it's super, super cheap, and it's definitely worth it if, um, you know, if, if you're a UCF fan. So thanks again, Brandon. I will see you on the road in, at, uh, at Boise State here in a couple weeks, man. Can't wait. All right, guys, thanks. All right, man. Go Knights. Thank you. All right, guys, now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moons. Picks of the week. Woo, it's been a while. Getting real, real anxious about these games coming up. So uh, can't wait to kick off this season. Season six. Last year, season five, a little bit of an off year, uh, but it's been trending that way. 12 and 12 last year, but I have a five year total 101, 97, and two. All I got to say, betting is hard. Correct, but <laughs> four, four wins above, above 500. That's why, but, uh, that's why we you know, keep our day all, jobs. <laughs> I put it all on the line out there for you guys. So, all anyway, right. What do we got uh, first? Got two this week. First one, we're going to go with Utah, minus five against Florida. Florida, a dumpster fire, going out west for a Thursday game. This is actually the same time as the Kent State game, so probably both on. I mean, when was the last time Florida was even in this time zone? They never go out west. I I think the farthest west they go is A&M. Like, they never play any out-of-conference games that are worth anything yeah they usually Uh, none of the sec teams do they play like some crappy game 
Yeah, they they don't well, they don't ever travel. That's what I'm saying. It, it yeah. would be any any SEC team in this spot. I, they, I would pick this. So yep. Quarterback for Utah, Cam Rising, same as last year. Dark Horse Heisman. This one gets away from Florida quickly. I got Utah minus five. Utah. So they played the same game at Florida last year. Utah dominated to start, and then I don't know. They just fell apart, and I th- think Florida ended up winning. But uh, on the road, yeah. there, there's no chance. Utah. Uh, coming back to the Big 12, I think, in 2024. So, yeah, I like it. All right, what do you got next? Second pick, we're taking Florida State, the Seminoles, plus two and a half against LSU. Jordan Travis back, top receiver Johnny Wilson back. Six of their top seven tacklers, including Tatum Bethune, are back. One-point game last year, incredibly exciting game. Uh, if you remember with the mixed extra point and everything like oh yeah Florida State getting rocked in the first half then making a huge comeback that this was like a top 10 game maybe top two uh exciting games of the year just in all of college football should be a close one I'm excited for it take the points Florida State plus two and a half all right let's recap them real quick and then we'll get to questions so we're taking Utah minus five and Florida State plus two and a half. Let's, Let's get that, that money. money. All right. Last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer everyone's questions. Please subscribe, rate, and review while you're listening. All right. First up, we've got Emily Bannister. What will be our biggest challenge heading into the Big 12? Uh, you know, honestly, like, I think it's the travel. I, I know Brandon had told, said this earlier, but this is going to be tough, man. It's not just, like, you, you know, for the players and stuff, but the, for the families and everything. Like, we could be playing at the fans. We could be playing at, like, odd times. Like, we're, all, we're so used to just being either, like, noon or 7. Or like maybe three thirty yep. every once in a while. Yep. Like they're they're poss- especially next year. Like there's gonna be some like BS ten thirty, you know, at Arizona State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you know it's gonna happen. Yep. And uh, I, I just think that's a big that's a big adjustment for us. But as far as like playing up to competition and like getting intimidated, I I don't think that that's gonna be an issue. Like. We've played in big games before. Gus, especially, has been played in big games before. Like, we usually act like we're supposed to be there. It's the like bottom dwellers that we screw up against. So, yep, I, I agree. I think being in the Big Twelve is just going to elevate kind of our floor. And you know, I mean, personally, the biggest challenge is probably just going to be the podcast doing this with our ridiculous travel travel schedule. But uh, man, if I can do every away game. That's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be fun. Quite right. a feat. Yeah. All right. What do you got next? Next question is from Colby Keating. How influential was NIL in our summer recruiting versus charismatic coaches slash culture? You know, I asked Brandon about this. Uh, I don't know how much he knows. I know nothing. I, I definitely want to catch up with um, SJ, who's in charge of you know Kingdom NIL now. I'd like to think that NIL has something to do with our all of a sudden getting eight four stars. Um, I mean, it definitely has to because there's there's definitely some kind of money promise. That's that's how recruiting works now. I just I have no idea how. 
I just don't know how much it is. You know, it's definitely some Big 12. It's definitely some Gus. It's definitely some of our, you know, we've had back-to-back nine-win seasons. So I, I think it's a combination of things. But I, I think NIL is definitely a uh, a big part of the, the recruiting. I, I just don't know how much. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, the same. I really have no idea how any of this works. I just know it it definitely benefits us yeah <laughs> like it Clear, clearly like finally we're not in the wrong yeah not on the wrong side of this um yeah and you know the alabamas and the ohio states and michigans of the world obviously you know it, it, i i don't like that it's a money game now but if i had a choice of being us or being you know on the outside looking in i would yeah I, I think we're in a good spot you know <laughs> yeah all right, next question from UCF Chris. Over or under on amount of time Sean will appear in the stands on the TV broadcast line set at four and a half over or under. Oh, all right. So let's break it down here. You plan on getting to every away game. Yep. So Boise, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Texas Tech. So that's six. It can't be four and a half. I've Ooh. only been on TV, I don't know, like six or seven times ever. Yeah, so I would have to say it'd be like two and a half, two and a half. Yeah. maybe. I'm going to have I, trust me. I make I'm going to make sure to have like premier seats for every game, especially when have you not. That is Your true. Your rule of thumb is to like you can't sit in anywhere except the front row. That... Literally went to Boston. All right. Quick story. Went to Boston, <laughs> went to the Red Sox game. Guy buys tickets. The front row both nights like doesn't matter we're in the outfield they're amazing seats trying to get like, a ball i don't need a ball you can't sit anywhere in this stadium <laughs> it doesn't matter what stadium it has to say row one on the ticket it's so much better happy. when there's no one in front of you <laughs> well of course yeah i don't know it's just funny that like you can't sit anywhere dude i think i'm addicted i think i'm addicted, I think I'm, addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted i mean you do feel part of the game and I, i've been lucky to be by your side in a lot of these so it, yeah <laughs> it is a lot of fun i just <laughs> i just think it's funny i'm addicted man uh <laughs> addicted to front row all right what do you got next uh this next one is from steve george favorite memory mall tailgate memories uh, all right i'll start it off with yeah, one so <laughs> one this was 2019 stanford game or we set up like a pretty decent tailgate in memory mall. And then like right after we set it up, the like most wicked storm comes through blowing everything, like, wind blowing the tents everywhere. We're all like random people are all huddled under our, under our tent. And this crazy guy with like no shirt on has like an American flag or something. He's like running down. It was either American flag or a UCF flag. It was like running down the middle of memory mall and just like, slides into home <laughs> slides into home Safe. in the mud and like everyone went cheers i don't know that was one there's yeah. a million but i just thought that was funny that's a good one um i have to go with uh college game day i stayed up all night waited in line college game day um to only get into the second row that sucked and then i went and tailgated with like booze and a bunch of people and uh I don't know, fell asleep for like six hours. <laughs> I wake up, and next thing I know, it's like time for kickoff. I'm like, oh, hey, good good times. Yeah. But um, You were you were a mess. I had to, I had to <laughs> stay overnight. You had like no sleep. But yeah, and you combine that with a little booze, and uh, yeah, not, not the best combination. All right, next up, 
John Gonda. Is it time to start shaming fans who get upset each time someone calls us Central Florida? Kind of a trick question. No, I don't know. It it doesn't really. I, I think maybe give it since now we're like in the spotlight for sure. I mean, you basically have to be living under a rock for, to not know that UCF is Central Florida. Yeah. I could understand like back in the day or maybe even like the last couple of years, like no, if no. you're in the South, if you're in the South, you're going to know. But like college football, like the Northeast, nobody cares. No, but it, what he's saying is, it, is it time to start shaming fans, fans who get upset when someone calls us Central Florida? Like, oh, okay, yeah. sorry, I misheard the question. Yeah, yeah, no, it's confusing. Yeah, it's like, I agree, yeah. Yes. It's kind of dumb. Yes, Sh- who cares? Our name is in someone's mouth. Who cares? We look... Yeah, it- we look so stupid when we complain and whine about that crap. It's like, it doesn't matter anymore. It mattered before because like being called UCF was a big deal for us. Now we're in the big 12. We are a big, we are the big deal. So whining about dumb shit just makes us look like wusses. <laughs> you, you know what I think the biggest thing was, was like ESPN, you know, on the, on the score when we're the playing the games putting C Florida instead of UCF. Like I, that I, didn't make sense when everyone was calling, you know, C Florida is nowhere near on the Jersey. It's not in the school. Like yeah. we are the university of central Florida. I, I agree. That'd be it's like just C Florida. That'd be, that'd be like for uh like if USC was playing and they put like S California, but it's yeah. funny. Cause now I think when we played USF, it said UCF and then S dot Florida on the ticker. But we yeah. don't. We yeah. don't, we are above <laughs> these. We we are way above these problems now. Like this doesn't matter. And when you whine and complain about this, it just makes you look like an idiot. So let's stop it. So to answer your question, yes, let's shame fans who get upset about that. All right. Next one. Next minute. question is from Sean at Epic Epping. With the war on I four over for the foreseeable future, who do you see taking over as our biggest conference rival? I mean, I want to say Cincinnati just because we've had some recent history off the bat, and it has been a really good rivalry, I think, since like 2017, 2018. Um, Really, the door's open, though, man. Like, as much as I like the Cincinnati rivalry and it's been a lot of fun, it could be anyone at this point. Like, whoever we're going toe-to-toe with, competing with for the conference championship every year, it could be anyone. Uh, I don't know, And, and the fact that that kind of it's like an open ended question is is really exciting like imagine we're i don't know Texas Tech toe to toe every year like we we got to play them you know they're one of the last games in our schedule imagine it's like us versus them for the conference championship a couple years in a row that would be fun i, I have no idea but just the fact that we don't know makes it fun yeah absolutely the door being open for this uh means a lot of trash talk on twitter and a lot of interaction at the games. Um, you know, I, you and I are always pretty cordial at, at the games. We, uh, we like meeting fans from other from other schools. The best. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, it's really interesting just to see, like, you know, the passion of the the fans from the other side. I, I don't think I've really ever met like a real nasty like fan from another team like being in an away game or Be- not besides you've been besides in a lot U- more but no besides usf, uh, besides USF yeah exactly and so anyway i me, think it's cool let me just say usf i mean 
it's just a couple people. The the fan base in general is pretty cool. You know, there's always a couple bad bad thorns or whatever in every group, but uh No, they suck. All right, this I hate them so much. I know, but I'm saying like their fans aren't always like super I hate them too, but their fans aren't always assholes. It's just a couple of them. Nah. Yeah. All right. All right. Man. Yeah, next question. Uh, do we have any more? <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Uh, we'll catch up, I guess, a little bit. What What have we been doing for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight months, something like that? Moon? Making money. Yeah, making money. Uh, I, I bought a Golf house. Is. We golfed you today. Me and Moo. Uh, move played out of his mind on the back nine. Woo! Big, big imp- fire, baby. improvements. I, I broke 100. Put me on the tour. We <laughs> PGA Paul. It Paul's his first name for those of you. Well, actually, all of you that probably don't know. Been going to first watch a little bit? Yeah, I've been a couple more times. Told you, I, I got that like ju- one of the juices once that I usually never do. They're so good. I just like water and coffee. Um, it was excellent. The only problem was I sucked it down so fast. I like wanted to get another one. I just went the other day, had the pumpkin pancake breakfast out of this. Oh, world. they got the fall stuff already. The fall stuff, baby. It's back football no. season, fall menu. Um, you really can't go wrong with anything from first watch. So be on the lookout for the first watch first score contest where you can win a $25 first watch gift card. We'll put the tweet out on game day, and you just have to reply with who you think is going to score the first touchdown and the yardage, and the closest person to it wins, or people. Uh, sometimes there's multiple. Uh, what else? Oh, money move. First cold plunge today. I got to admit, it was... It, dude, I, <laughs> Not fun? <laughs> it's like hot sauce, man. Like... I, it was real uncomfortable at first, but now I'm like, I think I'm addicted. Like, I need to feel this again. It's like good. I wanna, I I wanna get colder. It's <laughs> like I want it to go colder and I want it to go longer because it's fun. It's like it's, competition. It's addicting, man, and it it hurts. Like especially the first time you jump in, you're like, oh, like I don't know. People do this for a couple minutes, and then it's like 15 seconds in, and it's like, oh, uh. It was pretty nuts. <laughs> I feel like we talked about it for like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I, you, you absolutely crushed it. So my first time in the cold plunge, I think I did, it was like 54 degrees. I lasted about a minute 20. Moo goes for three minutes and 20 seconds on his first one, which is awesome. Uh, you know, after you get past that like 90 second threshold, you go numb and it's not as bad, but I don't know. It's, it, it's weird, man. It, it, it's like a weird painful like addiction like it, it's good i though. mean 54 degree water is not supposed to be like i don't know like no, oh man i gotta go get in it but it dude, kind of is for me now like yeah <laughs> gotta come back man uh it's crazy you, i mean you turn me into a believer <laughs> you know how cold was the water on the titanic you know jack and rose didn't make it that long hanging off that uh that board or whatever so uh that that was definitely fun uh, Emily's doing really well. What she she's gonna she's almost two, right? She's she's like one eight months or something. Yeah, she'll be two in November. Um, walking, talking, gonna make it up. Walking, talking. She's a parrot, man. So be careful. <laughs> Watch your mouth. <laughs> give her give her all the go nights. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get that soon. Yeah, soon. Hopefully, the go nights. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Other stuff, go to Kent State if you can. We know it's Thursday night. And, you know, thank you guys for listening. Obviously, we've taken a huge break as we have, you know, the last couple seasons after football season. The older we get, it's, it's you know, it's really tough for us to do this. But what we do appreciate, and especially in the last couple of weeks, there was like two or three people that reached out and were asking like, hey, when's the season preview? It, it means a lot to us to, to, to know that, you know, people listen and, and care, even if it's just a couple of you guys. And uh, we're going to keep cranking these things out for as long as we can, man. And uh, we appreciate the feedback, good, bad, in the middle, whatever. So, uh, you know, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Money Moo, anything else before we go? No, that's it. Go to the game. Go to the game. Go to First Watch. We love you guys, and I am so excited for this football season, man. And I cannot wait to talk to you guys Next week, we've got some cool guests. Oh, and make sure, sorry, make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, because we are coming back with the First Watch first score where you can win a $25 gift card to First Watch if you predict the first UCF touchdown score and the yardage. You bet. Love and, that. Yeah. That's a fan favorite, dude. It's, it's a fan favorite. And you know, I think UCF copied it and they did like the first watch. They do like a first watch, first score something promotion now too because first watch is a sponsor. So we're just setting trends all day. Trendsetters, baby. Um, All right. Yeah. So we've got some cool guests lined up for the rest of this season and uh, we're going to do our best. Obviously, tweet us with any, you know, feedback, suggestions, whatever you guys want to hear. We're here for you guys. We do this because we love UCF. Go Knights. Charge on. Domain Nation. Domain Nation.